Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future with totally new sources of information that will change the way you run your business. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 Bonnie in the house, and we have a very special show for you today because this is part three of a topic that was so important. We're doing part three, and I have a little historical note here. Part two was February 4th, 2020. Look in your heart, look in your calendar, look in your memory files. That was about five weeks before COVID basically gripped the world. So very interesting. I have two of the three panelists back and one newcomer on the panel. Very happy to welcome them. So welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, this is the right place. You know that. We always say it and it's true because this is where the best run. So let's talk. The buzz today, I found an article on Cognizant, C-O-G-N-I-Z-A-N-T dot com. Listen up. From a business standpoint, human-centered AI solutions, yes, that's our topic, leverage human science and qualitatively thick data to understand the deeper needs, the aspirations, and the drivers that underlie customer behaviors. Yes, that's what you want for your business. You want to know what they're thinking, what they're doing, what they want, what you need to give them. Why? To tap into user behavior and subconscious patterns to construct products and services that follow more satisfying, informed, enriching user experiences. That really encapsulates it. So let me tell you just a little bit more before I ask my three esteemed guests to introduce themselves. We are living and working in the era of game-changing technologies. I don't think we call them disruptive anymore because they've actually been around quite a while. We're talking IoT, the title of this show, Internet of Things. We're talking AI. We all know that's artificial intelligence. We're talking ML, machine learning, and I'm going to say PA, predictive analytics. Beyond disrupting business models and creating new business processes, these technologies have a huge impact on us. Who are we? We're the humans who are part of the processes. But what good are technologies if they don't work well for humans? Hence the topic. So here's a warning. Unless innovators take a user-centric approach, they run the risk of creating just a set of technical prototypes without delivering any real business value. There's the dilemma. We are welcoming back Naeem Zafar at Telesense. We're welcoming back Adam Mardini at SAP and newcomer, Bert Laws. It's Bert Laws Jr., but he said I could drop the junior. Uh, he has a couple of nicknames that he might reveal when he introduces himself. And we're <laughs> going to ask them for their take on AI is for humans, part three. Bonnie G. Graham in the house. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I hope you're all well around the world and preparing for a safe and happy holiday season. Let's get the party started. Naeem Zafar, welcome back. You and I have to stop meeting this way. You were on a show with me, I think, four weeks ago, and I don't know, people are going to start to talk, Naeem. So, Naeem, just in case, just in case, I'm guessing there might be 3.2 people around the world who don't remember who you are, and I'm just going to say shame on them. Naeem, would you please... Talk to those 3.2 people and tell them who you are, remind them what you do, and what's your passion for this topic. Naeem, welcome. Thank you, Bonnie, and uh, good to see you again. So I am based in Silicon Valley, California, and uh, electrical engineer by training, but I've been uh, starting companies, uh, working on company number seven now. So Telesense uh, is a company which is combining AI and IoT to solve the problem in agriculture. How do we make sure that food supply stays alive and continues to thrive. 
So TeleSense is using sensors and AI to preserve post-harvest grain from going bad and optimizing the profits for the growers and the grain handlers. I also teach entrepreneurship and innovation at University of California, Berkeley, and at Northeastern University. Naeem, what is your passion for AI needing to be human? What's your thought? Are we just looking at a technical bunch of spaghetti that says, well, we could do this, well, we could do that, but forgets the human part? What do you think? Well, the users and the recipients, the recipients, the designers, the users, the business people, the customers. Talk to me a little bit about your passion for the topic. No, passion is is very much, uh, is time has come. The technologies have evolved to the point that now AI is using to simplify our lives. It's, it's taking us away from the mundane and allowing our senses to be used for something which is of greater intellectual depth or more meaningful things we can contribute. As we all know, we have gone through this transition before when we finally got to the gradient societies away from hunter-gatherers we had the time to build art, to build edifices. It, it was a transformation about 10 to 7,000 years BC. We went through a similar thing with the steam engine in, in industrial revolution. This is of that caliber a change mm-hmm. because if I don't have to waste my time, my energy, balancing book, answering the same question, doing mundane, then I have time available, intellectual depth available to create things. To, uh, to transform lives, to make them s- simplified. And so all these things are finally possible because AI have gotten to a stage where it can be used to simplify our lives. So there are several thoughts we will discuss a bit more detail. I don't want to hog the time, but I'll give you many examples how this is happening. Thank you very much, Naeem. Appreciate that very much. Let's go to our newcomer, Bert Laws. Bert, you can smile now. I have you on, <laughs> I'm going to put you on, on speaker view here. By the way, to our listeners, I have the privilege and pleasure of watching my panelists think and speak because we're here on Zoom. And uh, one of them, I hope one of you three will post the video when I send it to you later today, which would be great. Bert Laws, please introduce yourself. You're new to IoT with, IoT with Game Changers Radio, and we'd love to know a little bit about you. So, Bert, you're up. Yeah, thanks, Bonnie. And uh, I'm, I'm new to IoT with Game Changers, but I'm not certainly new to IoT and AI and, and uh, ML and these topics. I'm a senior director and a senior architect uh, from SAP, and I specialize really in uh, new and emerging technologies, which would include ML, RPA, robotic process automation, mm-hmm. uh, uh, conversational AI, business process intelligence, topics like this. Um, I've always kind of focused on kind of new and, and emerging ways to use technology to connect business people and the technology to solve business problems. And I think what I do, Bonnie, is I kind of keep a foot in the, the, the functional business users camp as well as the technical architects camp. And so being able to speak fluently in both, uh, both kind of languages, I've been pretty effective, I think, in helping people to kind of get those things together, to demystify the technical aspect for the business user and to kind of foundationalize a lot of the business concepts for uh, for the for the technical users, um, I like to I like to write uh, blogs. I like to speak at, at conferences. I've done a lot of uh, speaking on uh, topics as diverse uh, as uh, uh, machine learning and and, uh, and and RPA, but also in performance management, performance measurement is a real passion 
uh, of mine, something that I really like to do. And, uh, and I like to kind of just help customers solve business problems. And that's, that's just kind of where I've always been with this. Thank you very much, Bert. And I have a little secret I know about Bert that I am going to reveal. Bert is a very, very talented photographer. Oh, you're too kind. And Bert sent me the link to his photography site, which you can mention at the end of the show, Bert. And I was very excited to see that you labeled something called light photography that I started doing years ago with my Kodak DX6490 handheld camera, a real digital camera before I started using my iPhone as a camera. And I would prop it up on the steering wheel when nobody was looking at a traffic light at night and let it just move a little bit and capture the movement of the streetlights, the taillights on the cars, even construction sites. And you get this sense of almost neon lights that have created a beautiful pattern. And I never saw anybody else do it. And your collection features light photography and i went and dug up some of my pictures from years ago to share with you they're really quite good thank you you were very you were very kind it's it's a fun kind of a surprise photography thank you sorry for that little diversion we have adam mardini adam where in the world are you today i know you're very very far away i know you're in a different time zone you've been on so many shows with me over the years on iot with game changes and and your son has been on as well I believe he's a doctor and uh, very interesting. So Adam, let's just say, let's refresh the audience. You haven't been on for a little while, but refresh the audience with what you do and what's your passion for the topic. Adam Mardini, welcome back. Thank you very much, Bonnie. Uh, Again, uh, my name is Adam Mardini. I'm originally from the Silicon Valley. I've been in the Silicon Valley for about 35 years. Uh, Right now I'm in Tokyo, Japan and uh, Nihon no uh, Minasan, Kombawa, Watashiwa, uh, No Radio, Okiti, uh, Kuwaiti, Domo Arigato Gozaimasu. I just said hello to my friends in Japan and I thank them for listening to the radio show that we we're just about to do. By uh, uh, profession, I've been working with, with uh, AI for many years. Uh, to the surprise of, of many of the scientists, uh, the mainstream of people, they don't know that AI is about 50 years old and it, it has touched our life without us knowing about it for many years but right now uh, what Naeem said uh, rightfully that it's reached a point where it's gonna be in everyday life and it's gonna make our life simpler better and easier uh, think about going to the ATM machine uh, how would you feel if you go to the ATM machine and it runs out of funds they need to know how much money to put in there approximately without running out of funds. And to me, one of the most things that I'm passionate about, and this is working closely with my son, he is right now doing a startup that had to do with Google Glass, and he is really and taking uh, doctor notes, and he is doing very well on that. But think of imaging or radio imaging. Mm-hmm. How many stories have you heard about a doctor reading the image and missing something? Now that needs to get to a point where it is so much sophisticated by the machine and a physician just elaborate on it and confirm the diagnosis. And let's discuss it later in in the show, but I'm really passionate about this topic. Uh, My role at SAP, I help companies uh, overcome business challenges using the latest and the greatest in technology. I've had the privilege of uh, working with the Fortune 1000 companies uh, around the world, and I did uh, intensive uh, 
intensive traveling, I guess about 65 countries mm. and adding to the list. But right now I'm, I'm stuck at home because of coronavirus. Actually, here in Japan, we don't get to go out except for shopping or just like the U.S. I mean, we have the third wave coming, so we have to watch out. So, Thank you very sorry. much, Adam. Pleasure to see you again. I was going to say, if you've been to 65 countries, I don't know how you had time to settle down and learn Japanese. I assume that was very fluent Japanese, and you could give us a little lesson at the end of the show just to no. say bye-bye, but don't do it now because I'm not ready. Thank no. you all three for the introductions. I appreciate that. I used to read guest bios on the air, and then I decided the audience really wants to hear you all talking about yourselves. They don't need to hear me reading, although I do read well. Let's move on. This is the part of the show where I've asked my guests to send me a quote from a movie or a song that may or may not resonate with you, our audience around the world, but it will be an interesting quote. And the quote has nothing on its surface, nothing to do with our topic. And they're going to explain in their own words, I call it just leaving the little breadcrumbs along or connecting the dots, why they picked the quote for this topic today. So Naeem Zafar has picked a quote from Jerry Maguire, the 1996 American romantic comedy drama sports film. Naeem, so many guests are sending me movie quotes versus song quotes, and I'm intrigued with how a movie is described. Now, you could say Jerry Maguire was a sports film, or you could say it was romantic. You could say it was a comedy. You could say there were serious parts. When you put it all together, you get a romantic comedy drama sports film. I love that. And the quote was said by Renee Zellweger's character, and she's had quite a history herself. The character is Dorothy Boyd. Very famous line, five words. Love this quote. You had me at hello. Well, Naeem, how sweet of you. So go ahead, tell me, what in the world does this have to do with our topic today? Naeem, you're up. <laughs> well, you have to go back all the way to 1984, when the commercial on the Macintosh was introduced. And the first time we saw Macintosh screen, it's, it wrote, hello, and hello world. This hello for a computer to be able to write in cursive, hello, was a game changer. And I don't know if you guys remember that. When I saw it, to me, it was a game changer in my mind because it made me realize that maybe computers are not just as boxes when you just you type in a command and they reply back to you. Can it be human? Can it talk to you? Fast forward 30 years, now I can have a conversation, a meaningful conversation, I can even say, with, with Siri. So this is, to me, is humanizing. I'm, no, I'm absolutely convinced. In the next 10, 20 years, my best friend will be Siri. She will know my emotion, my desires, my problem, my frustration. She'll be able to have a conversation. I can't have that with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now we're on true confessions with Game Changers. <laughs> your, your statement uh, brought to mind two movies. One was Her. I believe it was voice, the iOS system that people fell in love with, especially men. A very, very sultry voice played, but the voice was played by Scarlett Johansson. And there is a TV series I recently watched, I, I binged on it, called Halt and Catch Fire. It's fiction, but it's about the naissance of the personal computer and a small electronics company and the team of very mismatched people, very interesting personalities and personas who pursued the development of personal computers and, and Naeem, how they got them to have a screen that wanted to say hello or interact and how the gaming community was what took hold first and then they developed it into more types of applications. So if 
you have a chance, Halt and Catch Fire, and that's a computer code. I'm a, by the way, I'm a computer nerd. I was a programmer back in the day. Bert, key punch days, okay, when I had to climb up on a step stool to put the disk pack into the drive, Xerox Sigma 6 CP5. I'm not telling you the year, but you can all look it up. And Naeem, I had one of the early Macintosh computers, and it was 1988. And can anybody guess what it cost me for a desktop Mac and one black and white printer? Anybody four, guess what it cost? $4,000. Not $4, even 000. close. Not <laughs> even close. Bert, want to take a guess? Let's say about five grand. $11,000. Oh, my God. I want to start a graphic design business, and my parents said, we'll help you. I was leaving a job, and I want to start something new. And they said, what do you need? And they loaned me the money, and it was 11500 with, I think, a two-year protection plan. And wow. I got on AOL, and my neighbors used to come into my apartments at a co-op on Long Island, New York. And my neighbors would come in and listen to me start to use AOL, and they'd hear the handshake. said, what is that? I'm connecting to AOL. What is AOL? It was those were the times, right? That's when I think we were breaking ground uh, as consumers of, t of technology very, very much. So let's move on. Thank you for allowing me that sidebar name. Love the quote. Bert Laws has sent us a quote from the character is Ted Logan, played by the one and only Keanu Reeves. Took me years to learn how to pronounce his name. And the movie is <laughs> Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And here we go again. It's a 1989 American. Oh, it's just a science fiction comedy film. Much, much less daunting than the other one. Uh, let me see. It follows slacker friends, Bill, played by uh, somebody named Winter. I'm looking for the, who was it? Uh, Alex Winter. Alex and Winter. And Ted, played by Keanu Reeves, who traveled through time to assemble historical figures for their high school history presentation. It was a huge box office success, by the way, and it had two sequels. Here is the quote Ted Logan, Keanu said, strange things are afoot at the Circle K. I have no idea what this means. Bert, enlighten me, please. <laughs> so Bill and Ted are standing in the, in the parking lot of a, of a convenience store trying to figure out how they're going to get through grade 10 history. Um, they're, neither one of them are, are exceptional students, to say the least. Um, they also want to start a rock band, and they're, they're not very good at that either. Um, and they're just sitting there debating how they're going to get through grade 10 history. Um, Bill's, Bill's father says if he doesn't make it through grade 10 history, he's going to go to military boarding school, which is a fate worse than death to Bill at the time. <laughs> So out of nowhere, technology in the form of George Carlin in a time-traveling telephone booth drops out of the sky, and George Carlin invites Bill and Ted to take a leap of faith and trust that his new technology will deliver perhaps the only way to solve their problem of passing high school history. They have no idea what this is going to mean, but they know that strange things are afoot at the Circle K. By embracing the technology and rethinking their problem, Bill and Ted were able not only to pass the class, but to impress their teachers, impress their peers, and save the planet in the, in the process. I think we kind of face much of the same situation today with AI. I, I think seemingly intractable problems with no apparent way uh, to solve the problems or even address them with our current technologies uh, appear to us. And out of nowhere, Topics like machine learning, technologies like machine learning, RPA, process intelligence, chatbots have landed in, in our Circle K. So I would say it's strange things indeed. <laughs> Thank you very much. Appreciate that, Bert. I love the quote. And uh, you introduced me to a movie I hadn't heard of before. So thank you, Violeta. Oh, 
lead a very sheltered sheltered life. life. I do. I, yeah, I beat you to it. I certainly do in, in many ways. Now let's go to Adam Mardini. Adam has sent us a quote from Gordon Gecko played by Michael Douglas in wall street. Very simple. It's a drama. It's a 1987 American drama. What's interesting, you may not know, Adam, et cetera, everybody, A.L., is that the studio wanted Warren Beatty to play Gecko, and he said no. Then Oliver Stone, who co-wrote, directed the film, wanted Richard Gere to play Gordon Gecko, and he turned it down, too. And so Stone made the film as a tribute to his father, Lou Stone, a stockbroker during the Great Depression. And the character of Gordon Gecko is said to be a composite of several people. And I don't know the names of most of these except Ivan Boski, Carl Icahn, Michael Milken, and a little bit of Stone himself. And they named uh, the character of Sir William, Sir Lawrence Wildman was modeled on the British financier and corporate raider, Sir James Goldsmith. So it looks like it was an homage. That's the French pronunciation, an homage to so many people. Here's the quote, the most valuable commodity I know of is information. Adam, unpack this for us, please. And it's 100% true. It's look at everything that we do in our lives. I mean, from looking at the news, from, uh, from political statements, statistical analysis, uh, companies' data, uh, everything, anything and everything that we do in our daily life, it's all based on information and based on data. And the further the accurate the data is, the better the decision that we can make. Uh, when you drive a car, the distance of the car in front of you and your speed, that, com- that uh, the calculation that you have in your head, do I have enough of braking distance or not? Everything is based on data. It's all the information that we have in our head. The kids go to school just to collect more information and be able to process the information better, more intelligently. And the further they get educated on it, the better that they get. And the more, the bigger the machines that, that uh, they have, the, the, the better the, the information, the better the data. But I still, for the life of me, I cannot figure out why some major companies, I'm not gonna say who, they cannot solve just simple problems, like sorting, like when you search for something on their website, and you get some bizarre results. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I'll leave it up to you. I, I agree. And I, I think that uh, we all have run into those silly, silly problems, Adam. I think one of the ones we all resent the most is when you call a company and uh, the input, the opening is a bot or a recording. And they say, please put in the last four digits of if you're in the U.S. social security number or your mm-hmm. date of birth or your last name. And your phone number. And you do that. And then it says operators are standing by or agents are busy. And then you connect to a human being and they say, please give me your name, your phone number, and the last four digits of your social. And I want to scream, but somebody collected that already. Your system, aren't you connected to the system that asked me for that information already? Why not? I don't get it. I, I agree. There are there are systems that should be much more human friendly that are simply not. Where the humans who are doing the processes are not connected to the bots and the AI that are supposed to help them do their jobs. And we end up being annoyed. I'll leave it at that. Let's move on to the part of the show. We've already been talking about the topic a lot. And if you're just tuning in, this is Internet of Things with Game Changers Radio presented, of course, by SAP. And this is season seven. Yes, this show has been with us for seven years and it continues to be in our top five most 
popular series around the world. And we thank our listeners for your loyalty over the years. It just surprises me. This show just ranks very, very high among all of our, I have 48 Game Changer series, and this is always in the top three, four, or five. So thank you to our listeners. So Naeem Zafar, I'm going to go to one of your discussion statements you sent me before the show. And here's how it's going to work in case our listeners are new and Bird is new as a panelist. I'm going to read the statement a little bit. I'm going to ask Naeem to please expand it or unpack it like they say on the news show's name. And then I speak for about two and a half, three minutes. And then I'm going to ask Bert, who happens to be sitting virtually next to Naeem, whether Bert knows it or not. Bert, you can smile now. There you go. He's smiling. I'm smiling. Okay. I'm smiling inside. I'm smiling inside. (laughs) You you hide it well. Uh, I'm going to ask Bert to agree or disagree with Naeem. And then we'll have about two minutes. (laughs) I didn't read the statement yet. (laughs) I'm the comedian here. And then I'm going to ask Adam to agree or disagree with Naeem and Orbert. So you get a lot to unpack. And then we'll have Naeem make a comment back to both of you if he chooses. Bert, I'll pick a statement from you and go around. Somebody's getting a beep, a nice little beep there. And then we'll pick a statement from Adam. So here we go. Here's what Naeem told me. Statement number two. GAI or general AI, that's a new term for me, Naeem, is more scary as it implies the computer algorithms have developed judgment or emotions. This is what we saw, and it scared us in the Space Odyssey movie 1968, when HAL, H-A-L, all caps, refused to obey a command as it found the command to not be appropriate. I'm going to stop there because you have some comments in here. Naeem, please unpack this for us two minutes, and then we'll go around the table. Go ahead. Yeah, that's I think debate has been going on. In the, even recently in social media, when people like Elon Musk has taken a position that, you know, AI could be scary and AI is, is bad and things can run amok. So, you know, I don't share the thing because AI, I don't share that concern because AI could be very helpful and assisted. Any technology could be good or bad. Look at atomic energy and it could be done a lot of good or it could also be bad. Even automobiles, you know, 38,000 people die every year in USA from automobile accident. Is it a bad technology? Should we abandon it? Obviously not. So AI is the same way. There are million use cases when we can say how AI can assist in uh, different tasks. What about general AI is when, why not, can the algorithm evolve to a point that they can have emotion and judgments? So, this is the scary part. It is theoretically possible. So imagine that you have a robot or a device which will refuse to obey your command because your command are not consistent with how they were programmed. Theoretically, it's possible. So that is the scary part, and people worry about that. In my mind, this is, I don't know, 20, 30, 40, 60, 100 years away. So I'm pretty sure by that time, we'll come up with some counter technology so this should not be scared, but the general AI, it's a very scary concept. When it gives almost like a human, it can compute and think and have opinions. If you want to get scared, watch the new TV series, Next, N-E-X-T, all in capitals. It's a Fox show. It's ongoing. It just started John Slattery, I think, in the role of his career about AI that takes over and becomes the bad guy. Very, very interesting. And it is scary. Bert Laws, love to have you chime yeah. in here. Agree or disagree with name? Go ahead. I, uh, I, I kind of agree and disagree a little bit. I, I think it's important how we unpack the term judgment 
and how we unpack the term emotion. Because if judgment is a learned uh, 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 kind of emotion or a, a learned effect, um, I think that we're seeing a lot of that in today's modern neural networks, uh, deep learning kind of kind of models that are that are out there. And so we're teaching we're teaching machines to have more judgment based on what they've seen over the millions of views that they've had in the past. Emotions is a little bit trickier, I, I think, because uh, I, I think that we, we have to realize that as humans, a lot of our business decisions are kind of binary, right? They're kind of yes or no. They're kind of on or off. Um, and I think that that kind of judgment is based on what we've seen happen a hundred or a thousand times before. I use the example when I talk to customers a lot about um, like like uh, uh, receivables processing or payables processing. Um, it's the kind of thing that that the that your payables clerk has done it a thousand times, and he knows if he sees X, he does Y. And that kind of judgment can be learned. But when he sits there and he knows in the back of his head that this customer is a slow pay because his mother's been sick, that's kind of the way they get to the emotional mm. piece. And I think being figuring out how we can teach a computer to use that emotion and to be compassionate that, you know, maybe the, the customer is a little slow pay, but they're having some personal problems that really need to be factored into it. We as humans can, can do that. Computers can't quite be as, as, uh, as, as, as passionate about it or as emotional about it. And I think that, uh, I think name's right, that we probably are a little bit away before we start to infuse emotion into our judgment. But the judgment piece, I think, is pretty much binary. And I think that's something that we're seeing quite a lot of today. Thank you. Very interesting. Adam Mardini, thoughts, please. Agree or disagree with either or both? You're up. Well, actually, I, I agree with Bert uh, and, and, and kind of disagree with, uh, with Naeem. So uh, to have the, uh, the calculation to a level of emotion, I see that that's far-fetched. And, and uh, I know that uh, there have been a lot of disagreement on the social media between many of the big players in, in that topic. Uh, we will always have... Uh, a driver capabilities or interaction with a driverless car. So a computer may override your options, but you still always have the ability to override the computer. And I don't think we're going to get to a point where we're going to have the calculation to a level of emotions and let that override us. I mean, uh, I know that there is some mad scientist somewhere that, that he will misuse the calculations for, for, for something bizarre, but I seriously doubt it. And, and I've seen the, the exchange of, of the tweets between Elon Musk and, and others uh, on, on that topic and, and how others elaborated on it. It's, it's, I don't know if the technology is going to go there. And actually, it was my thesis in, in back in, in the college days. I mean, that was what I wrote about in, in the AI domain. And the ADA programming language, if you guys still remember that, <laughs> that was centuries ago. <laughs> I remember COBOL, PL1, Fortran, oh, and BASIC, God. my dear. <laughs> I was a Cracker Jack, COBOL, and PL1 programmer for years, but I We did. are from the same era then. 
And I will tell you that we had to write our own compiler and our own phony language, which was very, as a student exercise on a team level with three people writing a, their own language and making it work to solve some problems. It was that interesting. That was compiler theory. That was one of my, my, my classes. That's right. That's right. I don't think you were one of my teachers. I probably was one of yours. <laughs> Naeem, what an interesting topic you, you unleashed here. So why don't you talk back to Bert and to Adam a little bit, Naeem? So guys, this is not that far off. Let me, since you brought up Adam, let me talk about this. Imagine a self-driving car. I'm talking about level five autonomy, a self-driving car. So you're going at a certain speed, perhaps on a California coast, and there's a cliffs on the left-hand side of the ocean, and you're driving at 65 miles an hour. Windy road. Suddenly, a dog appears on the road. <laughs> if I swerve to save the dog, I'm definitely going off the cliff. How do I make, and it's autonomous driving, so the AI in the car has to make a decision. Do I save the dog and take the risk of swerving off the road and going down the cliff? What if it was not a dog, but it was the child? Mm -hmm. Will I make a different decision? If the car was a convertible and there's a higher chance of me dying, what will car decide? These are the ethical decisions which GAI has to deal with. So this is not obvious. It, it's a, it has a lot of layers of complexity. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm worried about. Yeah, you're right. Interesting. Yeah. Then reminds- I would definitely Go agree ahead. with you on that level. I mean, if, if uh, we are still talking about binary decisions, where uh, do I swerve the car or do I hit the child or hit the dog? That's still a binary decision. There is no emotional involved in that. I mean, there is nothing that you would look at it and say that if it's a dog, and if it's a baby dog, then I'm going to do this. And if it's a cute dog, I'm going to do that. <laughs> this is... Unless the car hates the driver. Driver was abusive to the car. Driver was a bad person. <laughs> then what, what about that? We've left binary behind, gentlemen. We're, we're into value judgments here. We're into prejudices. We're into cultural indoctrination. Behavioral into, psychology, yeah, for sure. That's it. We're into intention. We're into, uh, uh, shall we say, stimuli, uh, cultural, emotional, artistic, uh, loyalty. Do I love dogs? Is it a cute dog? Do my kids need a dog? Am I, is the ASPCA going to give me an award at the end of the year if I save the dog? So what? It's just a car. It's metal. If I crash it into a, something on the side of the road, no humans are hurt. I'm a wonderful person. If I override the AI, I'm even better. And by the way, Upload is a TV series, another one where the AI-driven autonomous vehicle does crash and the AI on board does not see that there's a humongous bus parked right in front of it. And the guy ends up in a hospital on a gurney and the decision is, do they take him to the morgue? Or do they take him, do they upload him to this other place where he will live in an AI-controlled universe? And his girlfriend wants him preserved to marry him in 20 years when she thinks she will die. So she pays for him to be uploaded. I watched two episodes. It was so creepy I couldn't watch anymore. So if you're looking for something about, uh, uh, yeah, anyway, too too many signals in there. So let's move on. Thank you. Naeem, thank you for that. And thank you for coming back and, and wrapping that up in a nice bow. I think it was a nice bow. It was a fun bow anyway. So let's move on. Bert Laws told me the following. Bert, I'm going to your statement number two. Bert says, predictive analytics, and I did mention this in my opening. Predictive analytics have been with us since the dawn of statistics. Aha. What is new is the scale and scope, but mostly 
the pace with which they interact, Im- I'm sorry, impact our decision making. I'm going to stop there. Bert, why don't you expand this, unpack it, explain it, whatever you want to do. And then Adam may not know this, but Adam, you're sitting virtually next to Bert, so you'll get to comment. <laughs> and then Naeem will wrap this one up as the third leg of the stool. Go ahead, Bert. What do you think? Well, and I think it's important to look at predictive analytics as a, a, a real important leg of the uh, of, of the uh, uh, AI stool. Um, you know, people might just think that predictive analytics is just pure statistics and it is what it is, but it's not. It's new. There's a lot going on in predictive analytics. And like I say, it's new in terms of scale and scope. We have, we have uh, bigger numbers, bigger volumes of data that are going into predictive mm-hmm. analytics and the scope of problems that we can address with predictive analytics it really is, is outpacing anything we've seen uh, in the past. And it's becoming very, uh, very core to what we do. But the pace with which PA becomes core to what we do is, the, is I think, where we're going to have the biggest impact in our decision-making, where it may have taken us, uh, you know, to go out and hire a PhD statistician or to bring in uh, some, some really complex uh, uh, software programs. Um, if we want to talk about the, our computer backgrounds like IDA and Minitab, uh, were some big statistics programs that we used back in the day, those things are on your they're on your your iPhone today you know i mean that that level of analytics so what we used to have to wait for and and go to a consultant or to a, an expert to do now we're doing very much as as a part of our normal course i think the hardware that's out there that enables us to do these things is going to continue to challenge us not just technically but emotionally, how we manage the three legs, the scope, the scale, and the pace uh, of this stool, because people are getting overwhelmed with you're expected to know these things because they're out there, and they come at you so fast. When we talk about the human aspect of AI, it's not so much the scale and the scope as it is the pace, and I think that pace is the big driver there. Thank you. Very interesting. Good, good way to take our topic forward. Adam, what do you think? Agree or disagree? Absolutely agree with him. And, and the, the changes in the past decade or so with, with in-memory processing and, and how actually our company, SAP, they have led the frontier into that, that gave capabilities that never existed before. I mean, even, even if you look at cluster computers and, 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 and having massive amount of cluster computing uh, power to, to do predictive analytics and having technology catching up with the requirements of, of the scientists to process the big data at, at, a, at a meaningful scale. So one of my clients back then, about seven years ago, they had 50 petabyte of data that they needed to process in, in less than one day. And they wanted to have 30 predictive analytics, complex predictive analytics available under their fingertips to decide how the company needs to move forward. With the, with the change in technology, they were able to process 300,000 predictive analytics in a matter of, of minutes. And I mean, skies are the limits. So, so I fully agree with you on this. And I see technology is really catching up with, with providing better service for, 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 for us, for humans. Thank you. Naeem, join us, please. Thoughts? 
So, so no, I agree with that. Uh, I think it's very, very interesting, the use cases. You may have all heard about the use case when this young woman got coupons for pregnancy-related product at her yes. home. I mean, that's an example. Why? Because Target was able to notice the thing she was purchasing, and if those things are purchased in that sequence, usually when you're pregnant. And she did not know that. Her father was upset, like, what the heck are you doing? I mean, young, uh, and this is the ultimate example of predictive analytics. Can you predict things based on the data you have? So that is the odd one, but of course I'm excited about, and I were working on this part of our telesense, can you predict when a machinery will need maintenance? Mm -hmm. By looking at the vibration, the, the, uh, uh, the temperature, the variation. So if you can do that, so instead of shutting down and calling the, somebody to fix your, your, your heater, your, your at home or your refrigerator, or of course industrial machinery, Predictive analytics can tell us when we can schedule maintenance safely. This is a game changer. This is huge in terms of cost of running factories and homes and whatnot, and even your car. So couldn't be more excited about predictive analytics where it's taking us. Thank you very much. Interesting you mentioned that, Naeem, about fixing things at home. I keep getting offers from the energy company, which will remain nameless, but I'm in Durham, North Carolina. You figure out it's also the name of a university and a hospital and has four letters. <laughs> and I get offers a couple times a year, phone calls, letters in the mail. You need an insurance policy for the line that goes from your water heater out to the street. You need an extra insurance policy for your water heater. You need a line, an extra insurance policy for this. They have taken every sub subterranean Iranian component that comes into my house and they want, and it's only another $5.95. It's only another $9.95 a month. It's only another, I don't even know how many insurance policies I have, but Naeem, if I knew if my house was equipped with predictive analytics, predictive maintenance sensors, and it could tell me your water heater has two more weeks, the temperature is predicted to be 32 degrees for the next three nights. Your average heat, you're keeping your house at 74 degrees at night. You now have shortened the life of the water heater. You're going to need to get a, an electrician or a plumber into your home. You don't need any damn insurance. Just take care of it before, replace it, repair it, do something. And you don't need, that would be my insurance policy, right, Naeem? If, if I knew. And we yeah. know it's happening with industrial equipment. We know that there are predictives on, on when machinery is going to break. And so they can prevent or eliminate or minimize downtime, which is very, very costly. Uh, this was Bert's topic. Bert, anything you want to say before I move on to something from Adam? No, I, I think, uh, no, no, yes, I will say something. Um, <laughs> I, I think oh, yes. that, I, I think that it's, it's, you know, like I, like I said, in, in the, to begin with, the, the PA piece of this has been with the statistics or statistics, we just do a regression analysis and we trend something forward and blah, blah, blah. That's all, that's all straight, straight up, e easy to understand. But what's really changing now is the pace, which you do this. And I think that from a human aspect, I think that how we deal with this pace is going to is going to really be a factor. I mean, and, and this whole thing kind of just starts to expand a bit when you look at it, Bonnie, because when when you look at it and 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 we look at it in the terms of of the pace in which we're we're allowed to deal with these things is so much faster. That just that just builds on the scale and the scope of it. And so I, I think that this is going to continue to be a challenge for us in the in the coming years. Thank the you. Quality. Yes. The quality. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. 
I'm ready to read part of Adam's statement number three, which touches on a word. There's a six-letter word that starts with E and ends with S in here, Adam. And that's where I think we're going to go with this. We've touched on it a little bit. You say human-centered AI guides AI development in the right direction. Of course, that's a very subjective statement in the right direction. Mind AI also considers human nature and ethics as the most important factors. The key lies in identifying the grievances of human beings so the AI system can resolve the issues accurately. Let me stop there. This is a packed statement, Adam. Let's talk a little bit about ethics. Is it the AI's ethics? Is it the humans who designed the AI's ethics? Is it the dog? Is it the car? Is it the bus or the upload? Go ahead, Adam, please. (laughs) It's funny that you selected the statement that uh, we had a bit of disagreement, a bit of discussion on the last show that we have done with, with actually the first one that we have done, we're talking about about AI. Uh, They have to be governance. They have to be some Mm. control over AI. Right now, there is no governance whatsoever. I can produce a machine that will predict whatever that I wanted to predict and move it forward and let the market just adapt to it as they see fit. So think of that if, if that continued to go in that domain. I mean, this is going back to the, to the point that uh, Naeem brought in the beginning. It is not about emotions, but it's about governance. We have to have some rules, some guidelines, on what to do, what not to do, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, and where is the buck is going to stop. So to me, the AI is going to improve to a point where it's going to change our lives. Think of the microwave when it it was first produced. Actually, one of my friends, his wife would leave the kitchen or leave the room anytime we would use the microwave. That was in the 80s. Mm-hmm. because she was pregnant. She said, I'm sorry, I'm not going to sit in your house if you're going to turn on the microwave. Hmm. Do you guys remember scenarios oh, yeah. like this? Sure. Oh, yeah. yep. that, so, and, that and gas grills would be the other thing. <laughs> it was the same kind of thing. Everybody was afraid they were going to blow up the neighborhood with the gas grill. I was the so, last one on my, in my neighborhood to buy a microwave, Adam. Yep. I was that leery of it because I heard reports sure. of radiation. It wasn't an issue of pregnancy or anything like that. But I was just thinking, do I need it? Do I want it? And is it safe to have in my house? I was a latecomer with microwaves. Go ahead, Adam. The advancement in robotics, and, and I'm sure that, uh, that, that you guys all agree on this, it's nobody is, is, is ignoring that and, and it's going to get to a point with the joint of, of AI to a level, it will change our lives, specifically in the kitchen. Uh, one of the companies here in Japan, they have in their kitchen, they have, uh, it's like a spaghetti thing, but this is Japanese thing. It's called uh, Okonomiyagi. And I don't know if you guys know this dish. It's uh, like a macaroni, but it's... Uh, cooked with, with eggs and with other things. Very famous here in Japan. They have a robot that will cook that to order mm. and customize it any way you want in their cafeteria. Wow. And, mm. and the advancement <laughs> in that, so think of simple things. Uh, if you're going to make an omelet, all of us can, can go in the kitchen and I can cook an omelet in, in five minutes. Think of how much intelligence needs to get into that omelet. How much do I cut? When do I put it? How do I mix it? Why, what, uh, how I flip it? How I present it? There are so many factors in there. And it's going to get to a point where, where it's going to touch our lives. But this is on one side where we really need to have it. On the other side, 
just like what Naeem brought, the, the lady who, who was pregnant or and, and she got the, the coupons from, from Target, where where do you put the, the guards on this? And, and and that created, I guess, a heated argument when I said that the government needs to step in and have some rules in there. And Naeem disagreed back then. I still remember that, Naeem. So anyway, <laughs> I'll put my two cents in here. Adam, I have to tell you, I think the dish you're talking about is called carbonara. I remembered it. I don't know where or what part of my memory bank I pulled that one out of bird, but it was lurking and I looked it up. Funny. Carbonara is an Italian pasta dish from Rome made with egg, hard cheese, cured pork, and black pepper. It arrived in the middle of the 20th century. It's usually Pecorino Romano or Parmigiano Reggiano or a combination. So I had to tell you, is that a similar to the egg dish you're talking about? With Absolutely. Spaghetti? Thank you. Oh, God, the brainwaves are still working. This is so gratifying. I know what I'm having for dinner tonight. Let's go around the table. Naeem, you're sitting next to Adam. Whether you know it or not, go ahead. We have seven minutes left, so let's let's wrap this one up. Go ahead, Naeem. No, I think it's, it's quite thought-provoking. His idea is what can you delegate, which is mundane. For example, cleaning toilets in a hotel room or anything, this job could be done by robots. It's a complicated task. It's not a simple task because there's so many unpredictable things that happen. When you open the toilet in a, in a commercial setting, you, well, you know what you're going to see. So a friend of mine <laughs> from UC Berkeley is actually doing exactly a company which is doing that. So it is now possible. It is now possible. And cleaning a toilet is a very unpredictable thing. Oh, yeah. You need AI to be able to tackle a thing like that. So I think I'm excited about what uh, Adam is saying. That's interesting. I, I hope that wasn't your prediction because we still have time for our predictions. <laughs> we'll have a good one. Bert, Bert you got to have a new one. Bert, what do you think? Bert, uh, about what Adam said and or the, the other story. Go ahead, Bert. I, I, you know, one of my big passions is uh, I'm, I'm big on personal accountability. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'm not a huge fan of governance from a standpoint of creating an infrastructure or a structure. I, but I am a fan of people being accountable for the things that they bring to the market and the things that they deliver. And I think that this question of ethics, uh, Naeem's quote or a, a word that he used about being uh, thought provoking, I think it's a very provocative, uh, it's a very provocative idea. And I, and I really agree. And I think developers as well as users need to have, um, they need to think about this when, you know, be careful what you ask for because you may get it uh, in today's technology enables us so, so much more delivery than, than we've ever seen before. And you don't see the government stepping in and, and putting some, some guards around this. I mean, who, who's going to, who's going to set the rules for this? Where uh, are the boundaries? I don't know. I don't have those. Some, answers. Somebody, somebody needs to step in with authorities that would say that the buck stops here. Nobody can cross this, this red and line. And then the question, Adam, is who is that person? What currency is that buck? What are they coming to it with their biases, right? Their biases, their cultural influences, their sense of law, rules, accountability, Bert. Everything that comes to that human being will be infused or will flavor or color that governance of that person on whose desk the buck stopped. Bert, I know you want to say you, something. You, Go ahead. you ask too many questions, Bonnie. <laughs> <laughs> He's asking I, all I the right questions. Thank you. Thank you, <laughs> they, they Adam. They are the you right questions. You, they you, are the right questions, but you just ask too many of them. You rescued me. That's interesting. <laughs> well, we need to have, uh, hey, we need part four. Yeah. I, AI governance 
for humans right. or not. Without a doubt. Can AI self-govern if it's trained well by the right human? You still come back to a human. It's how, how we define how we define it, right? How we define it is the is the key. It's not a if; it's a how. There you go. And we have how is four minutes left, and I want to give you each about forty-five seconds for your prediction. Let's go to AI. Will it be more human, less human, more predictable, less predictable, more governable, more ungovernable, and independent, more biased, less biased? Something about Bert. I'm not asking questions. I'm just putting thoughts in your head. Uh, go ahead. Uh, each take about forty-five seconds because we are very, very close to the end. Naeem, you're up. By let's predict out to 2025, which is five years away. Go ahead, Naeem. So I think the, what I'm predicting over the next five years is that it will play a huge role in, in every aspect of something. Some professions will be, uh, will be gone, like accounting. You'll be able to see something just like, where are the travel agents? Do you, you used to have so many travel agents, they're gone. This will happen to accountant. This will happen to at least the mundane part of legal system, the lawyers, the, the court reporters, all that will be gone. But what I really, what I'm fear about is it is learning and predicting what should I buy based on what I have purchased. Mm -hmm. And my point is this learning behavior could be bad. It is not smart enough to know I'm buying for my daughter. I'm buying for a friend who doesn't have a computer is broken or is it me buying? Mm -hmm. So it's going to learn bad behavior just like we saw uh, uh, this uh, Cortana or whatever it was before Cortana, machine learning learned so many bad words and bad language just by observing what was being talked about. So I'm concerned that AI, as it evolves to help our think, can also learn all the bad behavior about humans, which only our judgment allows us to correct. And AI, there is no such correction right now. Thank you, Naeem. We're almost out of time. Bert, 20 seconds. Predict. What do you got? Uh, mine's very, ta very tactical, very tangible, and very kind of fun. I think the way we watch sports is going to be really dramatically impacted by AI by 2025. You know, you know the way professional sports are currently managed has already changed, continues to evolve with uh, analytics and machine learning. I think athletes can continue to evolve using AI. Training will evolve using AI. Management and sports strategies will continue to evolve using AI. But I predict the way we watch sports will experience the greatest transformation through AI. That means more data, more analytics, more modeling from the comfort of your easy chair and continuous learning will facilitate this and entertainment will evolve. Thank you. Adam, you get the last word, 20 seconds. What you got? So just a couple of things. I mean, first, wants to agree with Naeem that uh, many of the jobs seconds. will disappear. <laughs> but uh, the other thing is uh, you'll see better skill sets for, for anything that we have done and it will touch our lives in big ways, such as in the kitchen, in the car, and so forth. Thank you. And in cleaning our facilities, there you go. I want to thank Dana Corder has done a tremendous job of managing the series. Everybody clap for Dana Corder at SAP. Awesome Dana, job, Dana. Wonderful yep. job putting this show together with me all year long. We really appreciate you, Dana. I think she's moving on to another role. I could be wrong. Marsha Malinowski, who works on that team as well. And Ira Burke, who has been our longtime sponsor. Yes, Ira, we want this series back. You're in our top three every year. Thank you also to Aaron Keller, my engineer 
engineer extraordinaire calls himself my sidekick and he earned that very, very well. And here's my call to action. Bert, you got to smile on this one. And by the way, it's BertLawsPhotography.com. B-E-R-T-L-A-W-S Photography.com. Ding, ding. Here we go. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? My car is getting two and a half months to the gallon. How's yours doing? Go out and be a game changer today. Again, just like Naeem Zafar. We always know that at Telesense. Just like Bert Laws Jr. at SAP. Just like Adam Mardini. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Be safe. Be savvy. Be smart. It's the holidays. And stay sane. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. 